to another episode of The Company You Keep. I'm your host, Julia Hahn. Today I'm in San Francisco on a very unusually hot day um, with Daphne Crow, the owner of Made PR. Hey, Daphne. Hi, Julia. How, How are, are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, I'm super excited because you're kind of on the other side of like what a lot of our previous show guests have been sort of talking about one of the hardest things for them to cultivate, which is press and PR. And so your actual job is to put your client's product in front of the right people, right? That's correct. Okay. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit of your backstory first. Like, where are you from? And where did you go to school? And how did you end up in San Francisco? And then, like, let's just dive right into your business, which is called Made PR. Um, her website's madepr.com. And, like, what your process is. Definitely. Um, so I'm from Michigan. I grew up in Michigan. I went to the University of Michigan, and I think I always sort of wanted to leave Michigan. <laughs> um, and I moved out to San Francisco and wasn't really in love with the city um, the first year. And I kind of started planning, you know, New York, Chicago. What like, year is this? This was in 2004. Okay. And was like, you know, I feel like I want to move to a more bustling city. Oh, San Francisco wasn't busy enough. It wasn't busy enough for me. And I, you know, and then a year into it, I finally felt at home. And And that's kind of normal, I think, when you move somewhere new. It takes uh, some getting used to. And maybe you thought it was going to be a certain way and it was different. Yeah. I mean, I I think San Francisco is a city you discover. And it takes some time to find your place. And so I found that, you know, when you go to New York or, I mean, going to Chicago, I went to school in the Midwest, so it was very similar to what I grew up with and the people I grew up with. And New York is so in your face, but San Francisco is definitely more understated and you have to find your place. Right. And it took me about a year to do that. And then after that, I was like, I'm sold. I'm never leaving. Yeah. So it's been 11 years. Oh my gosh. So you're like kind of a local. (laughs) I I like to think so. I like to think so. Very good. Okay. So you were in school in Chicago. Michigan. Michigan. And um, what were you studying? Communications. Okay. So you're actually doing something that has to do with your degree, which is rare. Yeah, I know. I know. I always sort of knew I wanted to do something in the communications world. Um, I just didn't know what. Right. And so when I moved to San Francisco, I got a dream job for a 22-year-old. I was working at um, an event marketing agency for Diageo, which is one of the world's largest alcohol producers. Okay. So I was doing everything from planning Cinco de Mayo promotions to new product launches oh, in the spirits goodness. world. So fun. And it was so <laughs> much fun. Yeah. I, I loved it. It was such a great way to get to know the city too. And that was really the defining year for me where I fell in love with the city because I had to discover it too. And mm-hmm. I could find my place. Right. Um, But I was itching to do PR. I felt like there was something I could do in the world. And And so when you say PR, do you mean like more specific to a certain brand? Or were you just not into doing the event planning so much and you wanted to do more? I wanted to do more traditional public relations. So I wanted to try an agency. When I was in college, you learn about the agency world and how it's fast-paced and how you develop messaging around a brand and you get to really come up with creative ideas and event planning while it was amazing and it was one of the best opportunities I've ever had it wasn't PR and so I really wanted to explore it and at that time it was 2005 and 
tech PR was really the only industry oh, in San Francisco yeah. that was on Craigslist yeah. or that I could really find. I think there were maybe one or two boutique PR firms that were in the lifestyle arena, but other than that, it was tech. Hmm. And so I were you in- interested in that? <laughs> not really, but I I wanted to try it. Yeah, I just thought you know why not? That's the industry here, so let's jump in. You know, both feet in and give it a shot. And so I did, and I realized that you know. B2B technology was really not where my interests lie, but um, I did love PR. Okay. And so I, I started to figure out my path at Were that point. Were you with a firm at this point? I was. Okay. I was at a firm called Byte Communications, and at that time they represented Sun Microsystems. Okay. So I was on five different pieces of business that, honestly, I could not even tell you to this day what they were. <laughs> But um, I learned a lot there. You know, it was a really awesome working environment. It was, you know, 50 to 75 young working professionals that were hustling to do PR. How fun is that, you know, when you're kind of surrounded by real ambitious young other people that are interested in the same thing that you're interested in. Yeah. It's like a great motivator, I feel like. It was really fun. And, you know, we had this work hard, play hard mantra and... We had so much fun, and I learned a lot. I mean, in the tech world, there's a lot on the line. I mean, budgets are so much higher. There's a lot at stake. There's yeah. investors. There's, I, I mean, the technologies and the amount of money that goes into creating them, and, you know, the results are really, really important. Right. So I learned so much um, that I'm so grateful for. That sounds like it would be invaluable. It was. To get results and learn how to put together campaigns that really pay off. Because these people are not messing around. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I just, I wasn't really into tech. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, you know, B2B tech wasn't where I wanted to go. And so I actually joined a a large global PR firm called Ruder Finn. They had just won Foster's Wine Estate. So I got to sort of bring my passion of, you know, the spirits and beverage world Mm -hmm. um, into PR. And they also had some tech clients. So it was a nice sort of happy transition. Um, And so I went there and really enjoyed it. But I then shortly thereafter met my former boss, um, Allie Goldstein of Cinch PR. And she had just started an agency and um, she had hired her first employee and was looking to hire her second. And I stalked her literally (laughs) for, I think, six months. Okay, this is a very good takeaway. (laughs) Let's not breeze over the stalking thing because I know that I've done things like that before when you like really want something or you see a company that you really want to work for. You got to do like a, a little bit of stocking and a lot of hard work. Totally. And it, and it shouldn't be like, oh, you just got lucky and you got this job with this person that you really wanted to work with. It was like a lot. Most of us or most people who have gotten landed these great jobs work really hard to get there. Exactly. So it sounds like you did that. Too. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I knew I wanted it. And it was the most defining career experience of my life until I started Made Pr right. um, as far as being scrappy, wearing a lot of different hats, and just learning the from the best and it was incredible and I was there for five years and what year is this now so this is what year did I start yes um, what year did I start? I want to say I started in two thousand seven okay. So just before like the crash, no, 2006, 2006, I believe. Gosh, the years are just 
flying. Oh, um, I, I believe I it was 2000. Yes, it was 2006 or 2007. Okay. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have no fact checkers here. Perfect. So. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to get a sort of a time frame of where you were in your career and like how, you know, how long it had been since you'd moved to San Francisco based on when you got this like amazing opportunity yeah. to cinch PR. I was 25 years old. Okay. I remember that. Okay. Because I remember I was like, okay, this is my quarter life change that's a wonderful position to be in at 25 yeah because you kind of positioned yourself to get a lot of experience before 25 which is really great like when yeah. you were a little bit younger you worked for different industries and then were able to position yourself to move right into this great dream job at 25 exactly yeah so it was awesome. incredible and you know I was there for five years and I really I had the best time. It was so much fun. And just seeing an agency grow and develop its own personality and its niche and mm. just doing things the way that we want to do things and doing them differently. Doing them differently. I feel like that's one of the things I've noticed a lot with small startups is like you're kind of just going with the flow for a little while and you're able to kind of bend and be flexible and do things differently than what the status quo is because you're a small startup. Right. So that must've been really interesting to yeah. be a part of and to, to witness. It was so cool. It was so cool. Um, but after five years, you know, I really, I started to get an itch. I turned 30 mm -hmm. and I was wondering, you know, what is my next step? And, you know, and during the five years at Cinch, um, did you kind of grow in your career? Did you start out like as a, an assistant and then you moved up or how did I that definitely work? did grow. I mean, I came in as an account manager, but I was a very, very junior level account manager and I grew into a senior account manager okay. and it was, I mean, the, the roles and responsibilities that I had were, unlike anyone else at my age in the industry. And so it was really, really amazing. And it was, I had so many opportunities. I got to go to New York. I got to go to Greece. Oh my gosh. I got to travel all throughout California oh, um, so and the amazing. country. I mean, it was incredible. It was wow. so much fun. Um, but then you get that itch, you yeah. know, you know, five years is, you know, a lifetime in the agency world. And just started wondering, you know, what's my next step? What do I want to do? What's going to fulfill me in this next phase of my life? In five years, I feel like you may have gotten like a really good base and understanding of the industry. Like you learned maybe all that you could learn or, you know, so you're ready to kind of take all this knowledge and take it to the next step after five years. Yeah. I, and I think I was just ready for a change. You know, you just, you want to change things up. And I thought that that, that time I just was really wondering what I would do next. And yeah. so I mean, I took informational interviews, a very natural progression into uh, NPR after the agency world is going in-house. And so I looked at, you know, maybe I'll go in-house somewhere. What does in-house mean for so those of us who don't know? Uh, that <laughs> means going into um, a single company to do PR for just oh, one brand. okay. So you like go in-house with Nike or something. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it was... I did some informational interviews and started to get the lay of the landscape of Bay Area based brands. And I, it wasn't really calling out to me. I just felt like, I don't know if I want to go work for one company. Mm -hmm. I don't, did I don't it feel like it was too big. Like, they, like if you went in house, it would only be for a really big brand, right? I mean, yes and no, there are smaller brands. I feel like I didn't want to tie myself to one brand and I wanted to continue to grow and being in an agency environment, each day is very different than the next. And there's different clients that you're pitching and being creative with and brainstorming. And I didn't want that to stop necessarily. Right. 
Um, that diversity is like really important for our creative. I it, feel like exactly because you can hit a wall if you're doing the same thing every day. Exactly, and I I always have wanted to work for myself. And so I started thinking about, you know, who would I want to work with? How would I want to do this? And Made PR was born. So when did it, like, cross your mind that you could work for yourself? And then when did you make the decision, like, I can really do this? Like, I can really start my own PR company? There was no moment. Okay. There so was you're just no like, defining this is moment. Next. I just was like, it just seemed very natural. I, I, I you know, I t- would talk to mentors of mine and ask them, you know, adv- ask them advice. And they would say, you know, looking back on your career, what would, what was your, what's been your favorite part? And I think it was when I first joined Cinch when we were really hungry and wearing a bunch of different hats and, you know, trying to get things done and doing them great. And really at this early, early stage of developing a business. And that was really exciting and fun for me. And I wanted to do that for myself. Yeah. And so I, was there any hesitation or were you nervous or scared? I mean, I think every startup owner or founder is going to always have some nervousness to it, but was there any, any time when you thought I shouldn't do this or did you just on. I mean, I was scared out of my mind. (laughs) Um, and you know, I, the one thing I realized was how supportive my friends and family were. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, amazing. everyone was like, you have to do this. Oh, that's so amazing. You know, and like, it's invaluable. yeah, it was incredible. And it, you know, everyone was so supportive. My now husband was the most supportive person oh. ever. He was my boyfriend at the time and he probably thought I was crazy, but, um, he just stood by me and said, you have to do this. And, you know, kept giving me that positive, positive reinforcement that, I needed and so, so, so helpful and amazing. Cause when you have people telling you not to do it, which I did have people tell me not to do Mrs. Vintage because it was a really bad time. My husband was in law school. We didn't have a lot of money, but then I was like, I just got to do this. Like, it's just in me. I was like shaking. It was so visceral, like how much I needed to do this. Exactly. I felt like there was like no other path for me to do it. There's no other way. That's exactly how I felt when I started my first company. Yeah. It it was incredible. And it's been the most amazing experience, but so, so difficult, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, people are like, you work for yourself, you know, take the day off. I'm like, when you work for yourself, (laughs) you don't take a day off. We have literally talked about that on every show. Like you don't, it's very, very rewarding. And you of course have a flexible schedule. So like if something comes up, I'm sure you can move stuff around, but like you don't have a day off. Like you can, take time off, but it's not like a set day. Saturdays don't mean anything anymore. Like it's just totally different. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. So where, so when you first started made PR, Mm -hmm. how do you start? How do you get your first client? Um, were you by yourself? I was by myself and I essentially, you know, word had gotten out that I had was starting made PR and one of my former clients at cinch actually hired me. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was really, so it was exciting. one of your own accounts it that was. you were working with previously. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So it was a really crazy, crazy move for them to take a risk on such a, you know, just me, but, right. um, and then shortly thereafter, I mean, it was like, even then I was starting to get 
inquiries nonstop. I mean, literally, as soon as word got out, I was being flooded with inquiries. The community was so, so supportive. And were these mostly like startups themselves that were reaching out to you or what kind of clients were reaching out to you in the beginning? New and established brands. Yeah, it was an you know, really, I started it because I had a vision. I thought, you know, there are Bay Area based businesses that are making things and curating these really carefully thought out experiences. Um, and they needed PR and mm-hmm. they needed PR not only with a regional reach, but a national reach. And so I could do that. And, you know, word got out and it was such an amazing uh, like amount of courage that it gave me to be right. able to do this. And yeah. so then it just... Literally, I blink my eyes and it's been three and a half years. Oh my gosh. It's insane. And now we're a team of six. Oh my gosh. I, re- I actually want to go back to, for one second because you just touched on it. And I think it's really interesting. And on your website, it says um, sort of about your company, uh, you have handcrafted communications for handmade goods. And you kind of talk about how your company is a little bit different than a normal or I don't know, normal is the right word, but one of maybe a bigger firm or agency. So like, how do you... How, what does that mean, the, the handcrafted communications for handmade goods? And then how do you go about choosing clients? And why is the process different at Made PR than somewhere else? Well, I think, you know, handcrafted PR really starts with, I've worked at a lot of different agencies, and um, it's really easy to get into the plug and chug cycle of creating a PR campaign and just plugging a client in and shifting it just slightly. Oh, I see. You mean like it's very similar to another brand's campaign? Exactly. Or just the process of how you do things. And it's just easy to do because it's, you know, you know that there's success with that process. Mm -hmm. And Uh, you want to give your client results. So you kind of, I could see why people would go with something they know works. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But I really try to push myself and made um, to... Look at every single client, every single initiative, like they've never done it before, and really be creative and step out of the box to do something different. And if it fails, that's okay. Um, But understanding that we're here to be creative and to try new things and to fulfill our clients in a different way that they've never been fulfilled before, and also ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I take pride in, in creating these handcrafted PR strategies. Okay, so you work with brands that carefully craft their product and you carefully craft a PR campaign around that. Exactly. That's like a really good marriage for a lot of these creative startups and established businesses in San Francisco, especially. Exactly. So it must've been a really good fit for you and a lot of your clients, especially at first, they were probably really relieved to find someone like you. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think also finding clients, um, all of our clients, I can really, I'm proud to say are pioneers in their own right. And, you know, we actually become a part of their team. And Mm -hmm. so we're in a lot of the meetings for strategies that not only have to do with PR and communications, but overall marketing and product launches and product development as well. That's huge. I mean, that's a big part of every business. Exactly. And so we're not just the agency that you throw a new product to and say, push this one out. We actually sometimes help develop the product, um, develop the marketing strategy, develop because you kind of need someone like you there at the ground level because it's like marketing a product is just going to be as important as even building and making the product because you need this product to sell, right? So you have to get in front of the right people. So you kind of need you in there from the beginning. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Makes sense. I agree. Okay, cool. So (laughs) I'm like, I agree completely. (laughs) According to your website, you have some 
brands that I, of course, know because the, some of them are from my hometown of Petaluma. Three Twins Ice Cream, Blue Bottle Coffee, Selfage, Trulia, Gurren Brothers. I mean, huge brands and smaller brands. So, I mean, how is it? How do you wrap your head around working for like a hat company and then like a real estate company? And those are just so different. So what's your process when you like really dive in to do the creative work? Well, I mean, I think that that's also what's so exciting is that not every single client is the same and you have to think about things in a totally different way and shift gears completely. And that's that's, how it keeps you real fresh. Yeah, it keeps you keeps me on my feet and same with my team and on on my toes. I mean, yeah, (laughs) like on my feet. (laughs) I know what you meant. Yeah. um, You know, I think it just at the end of the day, we think about like, what are the goals? Like, what are the results we want to see? And then work back from there and be really creative and think out of the box and have a lot of brainstorms and a lot of coffee along the way Mm -hmm. Um, and just really try to do things out of the box. But ultimately it ends, it starts and ends with the goals. Like what are they? So do you have like an initial meeting with the client kind of come up with their general idea of what they want and then you come up with a creative plan? Yes. Okay. And pitch it to them as like a first round or are there revisions or how does that Yeah. I mean, it's always sort of an evolving thing. So, um, I think we talk about, you know, what are the goals and then from there come up with a creative process of how we achieve those goals. And there could be different options for that. Um, it could be event based. It could be, you know, traditional like press outreach based, um, or it could be influencer seating. It really depends. And that's just like scratching the surface of how we approach things because there's no cookie cutter way that I do. Yeah. Cool. That's so amazing. Well, um, so in terms of like startups, so this is not always the, all your clients, but I know like for me, I'm in a startup stage right now with our retail store and budgets for PR can be really small. So like, how do you go about, do you have like a sliding scale for your clients or how do you, how do you, you don't have to give us exact numbers, but how does pricing work? Like maybe there's a, probably a lot of startup founders listening to the show today and they're probably maybe even nervous to reach out to someone like you because they think they can't afford you or they don't know how pricing works. So tell us a little bit about your pricing process. It's really difficult to talk about because it's so case by case. Yeah, that's what I figured. I mean, it just depends on, you know, the time that we would have to put towards a PR campaign. Um, It's really probably quite tailored. Yeah, it's really tailored. So I can't really say, but if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm happy to sit down and have coffee and discuss it. Cool. So no no job is too big or small for you? No, yeah, no. That's really cool. Yeah, I know that like PR and getting your product in front of people is oftentimes like really hard for startups or, you know, we don't even know where to start sometimes. Do you have any like tips, not giving away too much stuff, but like tips on like if you're just starting out, let's say you have a product and you have a small budget, how, what ways do you go in terms of press and PR? I mean, we all read the news. Mm -hmm. So if there's someone that you read like an article that you read and you really want to get in front of them, reach out to them. It's not hard to find their contact information. So just reach out to them. Just kind of do it. Yeah, just do it. And, you know, start with one and see what happens. Yeah. And, you know, every journalist loves hearing that their work has been read and that they're, they have a fan. And so 
you know, flattery gets you everywhere. That's interesting because I feel like from our point of view as a startup, you kind of get nervous even reaching out to editors because you think like they're not going to want to talk to me. <laughs> like, you no, know what I mean? no. I mean, I think just, you know, if you be authentic with whatever you reach out to that journalist with and showcase that you actually know their work and you're not just cold emailing them, right. not knowing their beat and type of, you know, stuff that they cover really understanding who they are I think is key to actually establishing a relationship it's like establishing a relationship with a customer right yeah so how would you do that you want to treat them you know with the best customer service possible a little bit of flattery yeah a little little bit of backstory so you kind of can approach them with that yeah it's like just you know how you connect with someone Mm -hmm. is basically that's really good advice so I want to talk a little bit about your team um you said that you have six people right So how did you build your team? What were you looking for in the beginning and then as you grow and expand Um, in terms of like different people that you've hired? Yeah. I mean, it was a very organic experience. I think, you know, in the beginning I needed much more behind the scenes work. So I hired an intern that turned into a full-time person and then, um, I, then I realized that I did need someone a little bit more senior. So I hired an account manager and then we needed some more help. So we hired some more interns. They turned into full-time account coordinators. I like the intern route because it's sort of safe for you and it's safe for them. You know, you could get people in that are really, really motivated and ambitious, but maybe don't have a lot of experience. So they come into this firm, bright eyed, willing to work, and then you kind of mold them and shape them and teach them and and, you know, in your case, they turn into full-time employees. So exactly. So that's a really great way, I think. If anybody's listening and you're like, what do I do with my life? Try interning. I, like, have said this before. Try working for free or just go, like, shadow somebody because – I did an internship. Did you do an internship? I did, yeah. yeah. And it just was invaluable for me. Like, it was And incredible. my internship turned into a full-time job, too. So I think a lot of people talk bad about interns or that they're not paid or whatever. And it's like, well, you're getting so much more than you know, $10 an hour, whatever you think that interns should get paid. They're getting paid in, like, experience. Exactly. So that's interesting. Yeah. So you had two interns go full-time. Yeah. Now we have two more interns. So we have... Two interns, two account coordinators, and an account manager, and we're looking for another account manager as we speak. So we're growing. So it sounds like business is going great. It's going really well. That's awesome. I can't believe it. It's insane. That's so exciting. I know. Sometimes, like, I get the same feeling. Like, you kind of glance back at your life, and you're like, I can't even believe this is happening. Like, do you have that kind of feeling? Yes, yes, every day. I feel like that, too. It's really interesting and a great feeling obviously when you're running the company and you have you know a small army of people working for you and you just it must be so exciting it is it's fun so in terms of your clients do you reach out to clients like do you have brands that you're like I really want to work with them or do do most of them come to you through inquiries it's a little bit of both I mean there are a few clients that I was you know I had to have. And okay. so I went you after can name them. them if you want. Are I there... mean, blue bottle coffee. Yeah. It was one when I started made PR, when I put together the business plan, I, you know, put that would be my dream client. And, and they're um, based in San Francisco. They're based in Oakland. Oakland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So good by the way. Cause if you aren't from around here, which I think a lot of our listeners aren't, um, blue bottle coffee has like a 20 minute wait when you want your coffee. Like it's so good. There's so many people always at the farm, uh, the ferry building on Saturday mornings, like waiting for their coffee. So it's very well known as a great brand. <laughs> yeah. And they have cafes in New York and LA and Tokyo oh. now. Oh, so I more people can that. get it. Yeah. That's awesome. 
So when you started with them, how big were they? And then how much have they grown? They've grown quite a bit. So I can't remember exactly how many cafes they had when I started with them. But since then, they've grown about threefold, which wow. has been insane. Um, opening be... in L.A. and New York, quite quite a few cafes, and then just continuing the growth. So. Oh, my gosh. And that must really help you in getting new clients, right? Because you can be like, well, look what we did with Blue Bottle. They were one store or whatever. I don't know what they were when you started with them. And now they've, now they're national and international actually. I mean, I think all of my clients helped me get new clients. It's all been through referrals, which has been really, really cool to see. So there's been someone who I've worked with in the past or worked at a company that was one or is one of my clients that now switched companies and has referred me. So it's been this amazing network of people that have moved from company to company and kept referring me and so slowly but surely made PR has grown so how does like a PR firm get PR you know what I mean <laughs> like, like this like, okay so you do obviously you're on the podcast today but like your clients are a lot of word-of-mouth clients and and what are some other strategies for you to like get your name out there as maybe you don't need to because your clients always refer well I mean I would like to start doing more PR for made PR mm-hmm. I think it's a bandwidth issue right now we're yeah. so focused on our clients that we haven't had the time right um which is a good problem I mean you're too busy it's a good so. problem but at the same time I I'm constantly I mean you probably know as a business owner you just push yourself and you're like what can I keep doing how can I do this better more effectively what can I do more right and um so I'm I'm always thinking about that and do you see made PR like how do you see made PR in five years from now do you see yourself getting really big are you at a point where you kind of want to stay you know with six seven people in the office or is there you know a point where you could actually say no to business because you don't want to sort of compromise yourself um well we do say no to a lot of business um just because of bandwidth issues right now um you know, in five years, it's such a tough question for me. I, I don't know. And yeah. I think that that's the beauty of how I, we're approaching things is that everything has been very organic with our growth. And setting yourself up for, you know, where you see yourself in five years could set you up for failure. Mm-hmm. And I just want to set myself up for success. Yeah. And so as long as I continue to be fulfilled, um, we'll start, we'll continue to grow organically and, I don't want to get huge. Right. So um, I really love the network and the culture that we have in our office um, with us six women. And um, I don't want that to change too much. So right now, I don't foresee things changing too much. Um, I think that's really good advice, too, because a lot of people, especially when they're starting out, they kind of get stars in their eyes and they're like, I want to do, you know, I want to be so big. I want to be a national brand or whatever. But I think that at least for me, I got the most enjoyment when we were growing, like at a pace that was very reasonable for me to manage and, but very organically at the same time. So I was able to, like you said, like you're doing now, say no to things I didn't want to do. And then just focus my energy on the things that really fulfilled me and then had people as we got bigger and bigger. And so like, that is something to, kind of pay attention to as a startup is stay lean and grow organically is not something a lot of people talk about, you know, cause we always hear of a Uber who got like huge, it feels like these companies got so big overnight and people kind of have kind of reach for that sometimes, but there's a lot to be said for just taking things as they come and growing as you, as your clients grow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Really cool. So, um, 
you had said Blue Bottle was your dream client to land, and you, then you landed them. So what's next when you land your dream client, like, right away? Well, I don't, I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I, I think right now it's just continuing to grow with each of our clients because all of them are growing at a pretty rapid pace. So right. learning to shift and grow with them during these exciting times for all of them. and It's a really exciting time for, like, the handcrafted movement, too. Like, these, some of these brands are producing like such amazing work and such amazing products as a buyer for our retail store I'm like so enthralled with their process and just like seeing the work that these makers are putting out so it must be a really interesting time it to is. work with companies like that it is and a lot of people are popping up and um coming out with their craft in new and interesting ways. I love how chefs are working with ceramists to come up with their own custom ceramic collections. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's just a different way of how people are collaborating and approaching things that I think is really creative and exciting. Um, is there any, like, one industry you're particularly excited about right now? Like, you know <sighs> what I mean? The maker's movement or... I don't know, anything around the tech space or anything that you kind of see happening that you're like, this is a cool direction to be going in. I mean, I think that, um, you know, combining design and tech and, and retail and tech is a movement that is not going anywhere. And I think in San Francisco, it's in the Bay Area, it's growing at a different pace than it ever would. Mm -hmm. um, and I think New York and LA is really where the fashion and design world has been. And San Francisco is bringing a new, unique spin to it. And so it's really exciting to see companies like House, H O U Z Z. Oh, yes. I'm so. Spend way too much time on that website. I'm so in love with that website. Yeah, I totally and, agree. And just feel like they're doing so many cool things and the way that they're connecting the consumer with. Mm -hmm. Handmade like, and designer goods yeah. um, alike. It's just and incredible. The, the local um, architects and designers that pop up. Because I have a degree in interior design. And I know mm. how hard it is, because I used to work for a design firm here in San Francisco, how hard, how hard it was to find an interior designer. Because there wasn't like a lot of, there wasn't a platform for it. So right. it was like, kind of like this industry that no one really knew how to get in touch with. And then there's something pops up like house, and it just like instantly puts the consumer with the creative like it's really interesting it's amazing i'm really i have by a question that. about house yeah and not that you would know, yeah. the answer, <laughs> I don't know but if you spend time on this website why don't why do they hate pinterest you can't pin they're oh. like pinterest and house are in a fight i don't know i, was I reading have no online. idea i don't know either i think it's because house allows you to like save stuff to your idea book and they maybe don't want their stuff to leave their site oh, maybe but i could see every time see i'm that. on there i just start downloading things to my desktop and then pinning them from my computer because for me pinterest is just a really easy way to organize all my ideas and so i yeah that's how i get around their their fight huh i have no idea but um, i could see that yeah them trying to keep their information on their site i mean it makes sense you don't want your clients to leave your site and then if they're taking a bunch of stuff from house then they're really just eventually probably just be on pinterest if all of your right. curated stuff was on pinterest that's true yeah huh. that's, that's what i was thinking yeah <laughs> Well, okay, so kind of got to close up. Sadly, we're already at the end of our show, which Whoa, went by so, that fast. Went so quickly. Um, but if you had like a dream client now to land that you 
currently is not your client. Is there anybody that you can think of? Or Heath Ceramics, oh, hands Heath down. Ceramics. I registered there Love. for my wedding. So did we. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with everything Heath. Yeah. Um, They're great. Our office is right around the corner from them in San Francisco, and we just <laughs> I'm there all the time. And I had this really funny moment with one of um, the staff there. I go in there all the time, and I lost after something, and I buy maybe oh. a piece here and there. But after we got all of our wedding stuff from there. I went in and I was like, I, for the first time in my life, don't need anything <gasps> in this store. No. And then I was like, of course, when the new seasonal colors come out, right, that will change. Oh, but. They were so great with our registry. I don't know if you enjoyed working with them with your wedding, but we had a really good time. Um, we did the Chez Panisse line. I don't know if you, oh, what line no. you did. But I just, I'm obsessed with Heath, too. They're and I, amazing. I, and I was telling my friend, because it's, it's an unusual place to register, I feel like. I don't know. Maybe more so in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, I know that a lot of people who are not from San Francisco were like, what's that? Yeah. Maybe people didn't know. People thought I was weird for registering there, but uh, also because plates are like $50 each. <laughs> but I was like, it's like an heirloom. You buy pieces over time and you add to your collection over time. And that's the whole like fun of Heath Ceramics. And they don't change. And, you know, you can go in three years later and they still have your same lines. So. Exactly. And they don't break. I mean, no. I have dropped plates from my waist height to the ground and And you know what now that you say that one of ours chipped but it was because i think of shipping or something because we were in new orleans Mm. and they sent us a replacement like instantly they have like the best customer service they're amazing (laughs) i just love their stuff okay heath if you're listening (laughs) you need this girl on your team (laughs) that's right (laughs) well thank you so much for having me i mean this seriously like might have been the fastest show for me it just feel like it flew right by but you have a great company and if you guys um want to follow made pr these are their handles instagram made.pr do you use instagram a lot i do yeah all the time i think it's a great tool and it's just like instant gratification and easy to like follow people that you're interested in like so um twitter made pr underscore sf and facebook made pr sf Thank you, Julia. Thank this you. This has been so fun. Oh, good. Well, we'll have to do an update show, and we can chat about your new clients. Hopefully, Heath is on the list then. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> well, I'm your host, Julia Hahn, reminding you to surround yourself with people like Daphne because you are the company you keep.